Welcome to Beyond the Breakwater, where just beyond the crashing waves of fear, discomfort, and doubt lies the greatest potential for life transformation. We want to guide you into the open waters where the calculated risk you take becomes the turning point for you or your organization to thrive. So drop your anchors and prepare for departure in this week's episode of Beyond the Breakwater. All right, welcome back to another chart-topping, amazing, the most important ep- ever episode yet of <laughs> Beyond the Breakwater. I think you're most with me. <laughs> <laughs> we always joke because Ed starts it out that way, but it is just really exciting to be able to talk about the things that we're talking about. Um, we do think that they are really important, and we want to challenge other churches, individuals, nonprofits to join us in some of the efforts that, that we're trying to do and putting it in the context of your area as well. I think it might be really good, Lindsay, just to talk about why even like, why are we talking about all these things? Uh, because we've seen a lot. We've we've been through a lot. We've started a lot of ministries. We've been beyond the breakwater quite a few times. Um, we're pretty comfortable out there. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's time, which is why I'm hoping that people that are listening are starting to glean over time, like, wow, they're coming back with, they've tried this, tried that, this worked, that didn't work, try it another way, mm-hmm. um, what was good, what was not good. And we're just hoping that everybody can learn from some of our mistakes or maybe just have the courage, because uh, I think that's what churches need today is the courage to actually go out there and try. Yeah. Yeah, so we've talked about um, the local church before. If you've listened to our Beyond the Border podcast, we've talked about what the local church can do for those in its community um, versus when they send those out to other communities and abroad and to other states. Um, So today we're also going to rope in a layer of talking about online church. So Ed, could you give some clarity? What can the local church that what can the local church do in their communities that say can't be done overseas or online? Yeah, you know, the pandemic changed everything, didn't it? Because we went from being in person, that's all we really had. And some churches were online, but not very many. Uh, and then um, the pandemic came and everybody went online. Mm-hmm. Um, some, Not everybody. There are some churches that just quit mm-hmm. and they didn't meet at all for sure. months. And then they started meeting again and, and surprised, but people actually came back after not doing anything for months. But most churches had an online ministry, a strong online ministry, and then we came back to an in-person ministry. So it's kind of a hybrid. Churches today have online ministry and they have in-person ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something that's really missing in the online church. And this is just a little phraseology that somewhere I heard along the way. You can't out-local the local church. Mm-hmm. And we're going to unpack that. That's what this podcast is all about today is that there's things that only the local church can do. Nobody else can do. Mm-hmm. Like you can't be, and we're in Michigan, you can't be in California and actually walk across the street in Midland, Michigan. You can't do it because you're in you're in California. <laughs> so many of the ministries, you have to be present. You have to be here. Yeah. But what's kind of ironic, I find around our town, is that very few churches are doing anything in the community. Mm-hmm. And we have churches around the community that are very, very active in overseas missions. Um, they're very active, like they'll go somewhere else. They'll go down to Detroit and do uh, work in inner city Detroit. And then you smile because you're like, well, what are you doing in your local community? And the answer is, huh? Mm-hmm. You know. And I don't know why that seems to be such a hard question to ask of why aren't you doing something across the street? Mm-hmm. 
And getting a church to walk across the street to do anything in the community seems like the hardest thing for anybody to do. Mm-hmm. Are you saying stop the things of like going to Detroit, stop overseas missions? Oh, no. I think those are amazing. And I think churches should continue to do all those things. And I think churches should have a very strong online presence. But if you're somewhere else and you're watching the podcast or you're watching uh, online church or you're participating in community groups or whatever you're doing online, that's amazing. But it never can fulfill walking down the street Mm -hmm. and meeting the people and Mm -hmm. seeing the people that are in their community that are really in need. Mm -hmm. Why is it important for, for us to do that as a local church? Well, I think we discover the needs that are right in front of us. Um, here would be an example. So over the weekend, I went to Grand Rapids, and we went out to eat. And while we went out to eat, we got out of the vehicle, and I noticed just a half a block away um, a lot of homeless people. Um, now, I'm not from Grand Rapids. We're from Midland. But when I saw the people there, um, my heart immediately, I just wanted to go walk over there. I wanted to go say hello to them. Um, just to see them, just to, I mean, not, not from a distance, but I mean, like, you know, like I see you. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, wow, I can't do that for Midland. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what I do in Midland. Um, I couldn't walk down that street unless it was physically present. And that would just be a simple example of um, churches have needs in their community that nobody else knows, that nobody else sees. Mm-hmm. And I think the local church is in the absolutely best place to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think um, just that exact illustration, like it shows your heart. And I think to parallel it, it can show the church's heart and those who are involved with going to another city or another state or another country. It's like your heart is in the right place. Like you you want to help, you want to serve. It's not bad, but it can be applied differently and more effectively in the context of your community where you know the language, you know where you're going, you know what resources there are, you know a network of people that you can surround those who are struggling with. I think of that story like you in Grand Rapids. So I lived in Grand Rapids for six, seven years. And like if I were to go back and or you in this scenario care for that homeless person, the reality is you're going to have to return back to Midland right? and you could serve them in the moment. Um, but there is nothing more powerful than someone um, coming around that person there and sustaining them. There's a guy I know in Grand Rapids who has like just an amazing heart for the homeless population. And he's in those parks like every single day and he rides the buses. He has a car, but he goes on the buses so that he can navigate through those resources with them, bring them places, um, connect them with people to jobs in the church and jobs throughout the community. So it it's so impactful. Like that is something that you could not do in Grand Rapids. Right. As we drove around Grand Rapids, it was interesting because I had this question in my head and I just said, I wonder what ministry would be like here. Um, And I have no idea what ministry would be like there because I'm not there. Mm -hmm. Um, I can surmise and guess, but would it be a food ministry? I mean, what are the needs? I don't know. I have no idea. So it's it's really interesting going back to Grand Rapids mm-hmm. 
because I'm starting to just kind of see things around there. And I'm like, wow, if I was here, I think I would probably want to explore this. Yeah. So, okay. Now that we've clarified, like, it's not, it's not bad to go somewhere else and do missions. Let's now apply it to what it looks like in our community. So what has that looked like for you? You're, you're here. This is where your feet are planted. How can you serve and be the local church in your community? What have you found that to be? Well, I think I think you have to get out of your community and start asking a lot of questions. Um, What do you see? Um, What do others see? Um, I think we've mentioned before that I love to go to meetings. And and we go to this meeting um, that is in Midland. It's called Faith-Based Community Assistance Meeting. And there's about 50 agencies and churches that meet. And I'm notorious for always saying, okay, I have a question before we leave for the whole group. Um, what's the number one unmet need in our community? Like, what do you all see? And I was really surprised when I asked that a few years ago uh, because somebody said, we need a laundromat. I'm like, what do you mean we need a laundromat? We have three laundromats. And they're like, no, they're not affordable. And I'm like, well, how much does it cost? They said, well, I heard it costs $60. And I'm like, $60 to do your laundry? Mm. That's insane. Yeah. So I went home. I took my family's laundry and I went to the laundromat. Mm-hmm. Um, because I wanted to see what they were talking about. Now, I have a washer and dryer at home, but I just wanted to go test the need. Mm-hmm. And I went and I'm like, holy smokes, I just spent 60 bucks <laughs> on my family's laundry for just a week. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we went back um, and I told everybody the next month, I said, well, I went to a laundromat. This is what I found out. They all laughed. And, and I said, how many of you think this is a need? And more hands went up, tell me stories. And so they were telling. And then somebody said, "Um, are you going to do something about it? And Mm -hmm. I said, it's on my radar. Mm -hmm. But that was a few years ago. It's still on my radar. We've been trying to get a piece of property or we've been trying to rent a place. We've been trying to get a a place where we could start a laundromat. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's coming, Lindsay. Mm -hmm. Um, How are we going to do it? I have no idea. Mm -hmm. Um, Where are we going to do it? I don't know. How are we going to pay for it? I don't know. I have ideas. I have thoughts. Um, in fact, I was talking to a pastor a couple of weeks ago and uh, told him I'd like to start a laundromat someday. And he goes, well, if you ever start the laundromat, I'll buy the first washer and dryer. So it's kind of funny. I sold a washer and dryer, even though I have no laundromat and I have no place, <laughs> but I had the first washer and dryer coming. Yeah. So that's what I mean by only the local church can do these kinds of things. Yeah. And that went a layer deeper than I was expecting it to because... You're in the local community and you had to take another step to experience, okay, what does it look like for me to do my family's laundry at this laundromat? So um, those are like these are steps you have to take in your community of placing yourself almost in the need and seeing what does it feel like to be in this situation. Like you have a washer and a dryer, but place yourself there. Yes. And is it a need? Recognize it. Okay, now how can we surround ourselves with that to 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 help meet that need? Right. That's exactly right. And sometimes we don't know how to do it. I mean, like the laundromat thing, we don't know how to do it. But in the end, I mean, I know how I'd like to structure it is that when people come in and do their laundry, I can picture this. Someday they're going to walk in with their laundry and they're going to pay for water, gas, and electric and a little stipend so we can hire somebody to care for them mm-hmm. so that it's a personal touch yeah. when they come into the laundromat. Mm-hmm. So we think we can take it from $60 down to about $12 for a family to do the laundry. Hmm. Wow. 
So every now and then, I, I'll be honest with you, so we have a couple different ministries going on between appliances. You look nervous. <laughs> <laughs> but between appliances uh, and job creation, we have a healthcare clinic, a garage, a grocery store. Every now and then I look at all of these and I'm like, are we just running businesses? Like what? Hmm. what is the point of what we're doing right now? Like are people being saved? Are we actually creating intersections as the church to, to be in the community for a purpose. Yeah. Um, is it okay that we are meeting needs and people may never come to our church or never make a decision to follow Christ? Um, so all of these things are just kind of like rattling on in my head at any, yeah. any given point that, that surfaces. Um, and I'll let you address it before yeah. you do too. I kind of just want to go, go on some metrics that we just uh, pulled from some of our community ministries. So every month, um, towards the end of the month, I'll ask, I'll reach out to all of the ministry managers and say, hey, could you give me some monthly highlights of what you saw this month? Because I'm sitting behind a computer most days, so I'm not at the grocery store serving. I'm not at the coffee house with the high schoolers. So it's, it is easy for me a step back to say, what are these all for? And it's every month that I am reminded, like, this is why we're doing what we're doing. So the appliance store pivot point, um, the manager had sent me five plus people that before in the month of um, July, that comes before August, before in the month of July, he had said, like, we are in desperate need of help. We have had some folks graduate from the employment training program, um, and we're looking for more help. I'm exhausted. And we prayed, and within the next month, God brought five-plus people. And I say plus because there are a couple on the on the docket to start, but people who have been brought through community service and who have loved it and stayed, people who have come because they bought a washer and a dryer and they loved what we did and said, I want to stay on and, and do the marketing and the social media. So the, these are people, as we're talking about reaching the one, these are interactions where now Matt, as the manager, has has a team, and every morning they do morning devotions. Right. And then jump into the coffee shop. We just started up a coffee shop a few months ago, um, reopened it, and over the summer months it's been like, man, all of these students are gone, they're on summer breaks, families are in and out, and just looking at like, did we start this coffee shop for the purpose of hospitality to the high school two miles down the road, but no students are coming. And they started up school a couple weeks ago, and every day there's been groups of students coming in to gather and eat their lunch at the coffee shop and to use the game room and play ping pong. And Renee, the manager, just does an amazing job of caring for them and checking in with how their families are doing and how they're doing and how school is. And like that is the point of when I look at these ministries and think, are these businesses – they're avenues to meet people. Right. They're meeting people right where they're at yeah. in the need that they have. Mm -hmm. So you actually addressed two things, and maybe you didn't realize it. But one of those questions was, are these just businesses? Mm -hmm. um, I want to address that first. Um, when somebody asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was, he said two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. For the church, that is really easy. You know, we gather together, we love Jesus, we worship him, uh, we praise him, we hear about him, we read the scriptures together. Um, it's an amazing thing. But then he said, go love your neighbor as yourself. That's the second one. And said, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Mm -hmm. And so how does the church love 
people. And I don't think he's meaning love inside the little church. Mm. Like, oh, just love each other that way, you know, then you're fulfilling this. No, I think he meant get out. And how do you love people in a community? Mm. Um, and so I think it's almost, if you think about a cross and you've got the, you know, the vertical, that's our love for God, mm. which is the motivation for loving others. And so that's the horizontal, that's the cross beam. That's the church getting out, loving people, meeting them right where they are. Mm -hmm. And so businesses are just the means to reach people that you could never reach without. Mm -hmm. We call them entrepreneurial ministries. Entrepreneurial is like that business side of it, so that we actually charge, and we've talked about this in the past, that we're going for the Alice population primarily because they don't have anything, or they don't have the help that they need to do it for themselves. And so we've really gone after them, um, that people group. Um, and, and it's really out of love. It's love for them. It's, it's our motivation is our love for God. We're going to go after them. We're going to love them. We're going to provide for them like Pivot Point mm -hmm. um, or like the grocery store. Um, that's our love. Now, the second thing you really talked about, though, is you talked about interactions. Um, we find, uh, if I would use the Bridge um, Food Center as an example, um, we have a lot of people come through there every day, every day that we're open. And uh, we're hitting record numbers right now because the need is so great for food. And, and for those who are just tuning in for the first time, we charge five cents over what we pay for it. Um, so it's just a, a really um, low-cost food center. And when somebody comes in for the very first time, we call that an interaction. So I want you to think about a triangle. Um, that's just, um, hi, you know, who are you? Um, who are we? What's your name? Thanks for coming. How did you hear about us? Really great to get to know you just a little bit. That's the first time. When they've come back a couple times, now we go in that triangle to the next layer up. We call that a connection. You know, they walk in the door and you're like snapping your fingers like, I think I know you. Mm -hmm. Haven't you been here before? I kind of recognize you. And then they're like, yeah, I was. This is my third time. And oh, great. Good to have you again, you know. Then it goes to the third level. They walk in and you call them by name. And that's heartwarming. That's a relationship. So now you get to know them by name. So you've gone from interaction to connection to relationship. But it's when they come in that one time and something's not right. And you're like, how are you? And they're like, I'm not good. You know, um, I'm going to surgery or somebody I love is sick or somebody died. And you say... Can I pray with you? You've just taken it one more step. And this is the relationship with Christ. Now you're just bringing Christ into this. Up until that point, you're loving them as your neighbor. But now you get to speak to them with Jesus or just a blessing or a prayer. Um, and then usually when they're done and they get the groceries and you're like, can I walk out with you? And you walk out with them. Um, and some of the best things at the bridge happen in the parking lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the funny thing about grocery stores, right? Nothing happens in a parking lot. Yeah. Nothing. Right. Because you go out by yourself, you put your cart, your groceries in a car, put your cart in a rack, and you get in your car and you take off. Not for us. We like to go out with the cart and we walk with the person and we load the groceries up. But it's so funny. People will go out, they come back 15 minutes later with the cart. Because <laughs> that's where ministry is happening. Yeah. That's the love of Christ in action, speaking into their life. Mm -hmm. See, you can't do that online. Mm -hmm. You can't do that from a distance. That's something that the church has to figure out. How do we get, how do we interact in people's lives? 
And so it was kind of funny. I went back to the church and I was asking them, both our board, our elders, the staff, and I said, let's just say we have a thousand interactions, 1,000. I asked, how many connections do you think we'd have out of a thousand? And it was kind of funny. They almost all guessed the same thing. They said, how about 300? I said, okay. So we need a thousand interactions for 300 connections. Well, of the connections, how many would it take to get a relationship out of those 300? They said, maybe 30. I said, great. So you need a thousand interactions to get 300 connections to get 30 relationships. How many salvations would you get to tell them about Jesus? They said, ooh, one or two. I said, okay, good. We looked at this on the board. I said, what does this tell you? I was so proud of them because they said, well, if we want 50 people to come to know Christ, we need 50,000 interactions. And I just wanted to high five them. You got it. So how can we, in these ministries, reach 50,000 people? Why quit at 50,000? Let's go to 100,000. Mm-hmm. So if people are wondering, like, why is this little church, this crazy little church, doing all of these ministries? There's your answer. Jesus left the 91.9, and he went after the one. Mm-hmm. There's, isn't that interesting? Yeah. Left the 99, interactions, maybe believers, and he went after the one. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to go after the one as a church, then we better have a 1,000 interactions. And so our whole goal is get as many as we can as a local church. And it's kind of fun because all you got to do is set people loose on mm-hmm. Sunday morning and say, hey, if everybody goes and talks to one person, just one person, mm-hmm. and has an interaction and a connection and a relationship, because most of the people in church already have the relationships. Now you just got to take it one more step. Yeah. Yeah. That reminds me of my recruiting days. I used to be like a headhunter and we would have to, uh, we had a, a, a number of clients around the U.S. And so my job was to get the one. Like that was like, I'm going after the hire and it would probably take like in a given week, compounding over however many times it takes you to find that one person. But in a given week, we would have to reach out to um, like 250 people that we would just reach out to. From those, we would have like 30 phone interviews. From those, it would dwindle down to maybe 10 video interviews. And from there, you would have one hire. Hmm. And so when I think of it too, in the context of recruiting, it's like we still kept the job application open. Some of those probably like 30 people applied. And I'm thinking that might be the, okay, the church doors are open. Join us for worship. You have the people coming in that way. But the rest of them, I had to go out and specifically find on Indeed and on LinkedIn and all of the the ways that people creepily know you and reach out to you and you're like, I don't want my information anywhere. Mm-hmm. But it's like going after the one strategically, we almost never hired somebody that came passively through through a job posting, but it takes that doing something different to reach the people who who are drowning and who need who need a job, who need right. salvation. Well, and just keep in mind too that if you have a thousand interactions to get the three hundred connections to get the thirty relationships, mm-hmm. you may have to nurture those relationships for years and years and years and years and years. Yeah. Before it becomes the one. Yeah. And you just have to let God be God. Right. You know, because in time, when something happens, it's amazing how many people come to the bridge. Mm-hmm. They're really not coming for food. We have people that come to the bridge every day. We're open. 
Mm-hmm. Nobody can eat that much food. Right. But they're coming every day. Why? Because they're getting something there that they can't find elsewhere in their life. And that's just mm-hmm. care. Mm-hmm. And so we just keep caring and loving. And we know them by name. Um, they know us by name. Um, it's kind of fun to go there and you see the people. Mm-hmm. And then you watch for that one time, that one time. Yeah. When something happens in their life that you're like, we're here. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is, it, it is super impactful what the local church can do. And you said something where like the online ministries, they, they'll never be able to do this. I think they might be able to have like, uh, they can have a hand in something yes, for sure. Like mm-hmm. I, I think of Life Church or mm-hmm. Elevation, like mm-hmm. the thousands of people that are coming to their online presence. But when I think of like our little church here in Midland, like we we can't compete with no. with Elevation. We can't compete with Life Church. They are having impactful interactions online, but they can also serve in their local communities. We can still have an online platform for people to tune into, but don't miss the impact that your church can have locally. Well, that's right. Well, think about the people that are in Elevation. You're talking about Elevation. Um, church and and life church that's amazing we've got i'm sure we've got hundreds if not thousands of people in midland who are in online with those churches every single week mm-hmm. that's amazing but the real ministry is when they walk across the street so that you can have this incredible online ministry but it really comes down to wherever the person is that the person needs to be in the local and doing something locally I would really encourage, Lindsay, this is just my heart, that if somebody's on an online church, um, fabulous. Mm -hmm. But I would still really encourage them, find another local church. Because when you're part of a local church, even if you're being ministered to online, which is great, now you're part of a local church. Because what happens when 100 people in a local church pull the resources and they get to do something really amazing in their community to serve their ministry, to bring one more person mm-hmm. to Christ, into a relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. So it's the hybrid. If you're online with somewhere else in the nation, great. But don't miss being part of the body in your local church. Because if you don't do that, otherwise you're just writing checks. Yeah. And I think Jesus always wants us to go with the check. Yeah. So jump on that with one step further. What can people do before they go? Well, this would be for every single person, um, everybody. Drive around your neighborhoods, walk your neighborhoods, listen, get to know people. Ask people, what do you think the number one unmet need was uh, is in the community? We went to a restaurant not too long ago. Waitress came up. I was teaching somebody this concept. She walked up and I said, what do you think the number one unmet need in the community is? And she told us. And it was amazing. And we thanked her, but I'm not going to tell you what it is right now because it was pretty cool. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Beyond the Breakwater, a podcast of Elevate Community Ministries. Don't let the conversation stop here. You can email us at hello at beyondthebreakwater.org. We would love to chat with you, answer questions, plan a visit, and help you take your next step. We'll see you next week.